from the Credit Union National Association. This is the CUNA News Podcast. Credit Union people. Credit Union ideas. In this episode of the CUNA News Podcast, we discuss how communication can make a difference in an organization's culture, especially in a critical time such as the one we're facing now during the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm Ron Jose, Senior Editor with CUNA News. Jane Hitman is National Relationship Manager for CUNA's Creating Member Loyalty, or CML, a comprehensive development strategy with expert guidance focused on increasing employee engagement and the member experience. Paul Robert is CEO of FI Strategies, a strategic partner for CML. Hitman and Robert will appear regularly on the CUNA News podcast in a new series focusing on service culture. As Jane says in this interview, during a crisis, leadership and communication should be intentional and transparent. She says, keep it simple and focus on your people. Jane and Paul, we know that leadership is important in normal times, but what should leaders be doing better or different in the challenging time we're facing right now? Well, you know, Ron, leadership is important all the time, right? But now more than ever. And I think one of the key things is keep it simple and have it focused on your people. We've got to be honest and transparent about what's going on. Then that could be the good, the bad, the ugly. The more people know, the more they can get behind it and be part of the solution. You know, I have several friends that every time they have a call with their boss, they're really afraid that they're not going to have a job when the call is over because they're in the dark. They don't know what's going on. They don't know if their business is successful. They don't know if their business is going to shut down. They certainly don't know if they're going to be part of it moving forward. And that anxiety is real. We have to realize that people are out there, even if our companies are doing well, they're concerned about that. So I think as a leader, it's important for us to stay calm, stay focused. Our communication should be very, very clear and concise and timely. Don't let the rumor mill get ahead of you in any way, shape, or form. And one of the things that I've always been a proponent of is being intentional about your contact. So don't just say, hey, we'll talk about that. We'll meet on that. Set meetings, get them on the calendars. And then as a leader, That's not time to just talk about work. This is time to be personal, especially in a time like this. Find out how they're doing emotionally. Find out how their spouse is doing. It's just crazy times. And it's so important then for us to really connect with them on a deeper level. Paul, did you have anything else to add? Yeah, I guess, Jane, you talked about that transparency and how important that is. And I agree 100%. I think in addition to that, two other things. Share with your employees the why. Why behind decisions that we're making? Uh, Why are we moving in this direction? Or, you know, why are we doing this and that? I think that's always critical, but especially when you're managing in challenging times, is really sharing that why and communicating it openly and freely. And then I guess the other thing, and I know I have to check myself on this, is be willing to say, I don't know. I mean, if your people ask questions, Say, I don't know, because there are a lot of things, let's face it, that we don't know, that people much smarter than us don't know about what the future holds and and so forth. So be modest, be a little bit humble about your leadership and just say, I don't know, but 
let's get the answer to that together, or let's figure it out together, or let's access this uh, outside resource and, uh, and get the answer together. So I think that's another important part of the process. Credit unions struggle, and every, I guess every organization struggles with attracting good people, and many struggle with keeping good people. What can they do to improve the quality of people in their organization? And, you know, we're kind of in the people business, right? <laughs> so that could be our number one for us. But, you know, for me, when I think about being the best place to work, it has to be a place where people feel valued, they can connect to the purpose. And they also have a chance to do good work. People want to do good work. If you've hired the right people, they want to do good work. You know, and this can only be accomplished when you have been pointed about building a healthy culture, a culture that focuses on your people and their sense of purpose. The trend is we want to have a a cool culture. I talk to credit unions. We want to be like Google. We want to be like Netflix. We want to have free lunch and meetings on the rooftop and bring your dog to work day and a gym on site. Not that I'm opposed to any of those things, but that's not going to create a culture where your people feel connected. It's certainly not going to be the culture that's going to attract the people that you want to have at your credit union. So as I talk to people from my own experiences, if I can or you can connect to the vision of business, a vision of your organization, you have a much better chance of people being able to fulfill their job commitments, for instance. So I say, give people flexibility, give them autonomy to do good work, encourage creativity and innovation. And those things are going to attract good people. Now, I'll just quickly also say that your ad has to reflect that message. So your ad can't say something flat and boring like, well, we're looking for someone with financial background in leading teams. Something has to be creative, innovative, all of those things that we just mentioned, then that's going to catch the people's attention to actually apply for the position. We've been hearing for years about the importance of technology and how important technology is. Is there any technology that's made credit unions successful during the pandemic? I think that all technology has been important during the pandemic. I mean, you know, it used to be, Ron, that you could survive without having a really good, not even great, but really good technology was sufficient. I think one thing that we've learned as a result of the pandemic is that credit unions need to have really good technology going forward. And, you know, when we say that, we mean technology for members to make their life fast and easy and they can uh, do business with us easily. But it also means technology for our employees as well, because they need to be able to do their business the same way. We need to minimize frustrations uh, from their standpoint. And, you know, the more they're going to be doing uh, their business, doing their jobs from their kitchen tables in the future, the better our technology needs to be. The adoption of mobile, the adoption of online, both of those lend itself to needing really good technology for both our members and our employees going forward. Jane, what what have you seen as far as technology? What do you think about that? I guess to add on to that, I think we need to be intentional about training our staff how to use the technology that our members will use. 
I hear a lot of talk about it, but I don't necessarily see it happening. And in order for me to sit down with a member and teach them how to use our home banking, I have to know how to use that product rather than just, you know, I've read a script or, you know, I've looked at the process. If I use it every day, then I can share my own insight into that. So I think we have to be intentional about training our staff and having them equipped to be able to train our members on that. Staff has to have an intuitive knowledge of that technology. I think that really makes the difference. You really know when a staff member has that knowledge. And it's amazing how uh, members have uh, been adopting to technology. We'll, We'll say members as it relates to this conversation, but just consumers in general. I mean, when you talk about, you know, doing Zoom meetings and doing video Uh, visits with your doctor and ordering online, ordering food online. I mean, all of that technology is something that many of us weren't that adept at uh, just a few months ago, but now we are. So let's uh, let's keep it going in the future. Credit unions have had to change a lot of their processes during branch closures. What's been the key to those that were able to change quickly and successfully? I think one thing is that they've just been open-minded to doing it, first of all. You know, as an industry, we've been guilty of having this, we've always done it this way mentality. And uh, that's gotten us in trouble in the past. But I think most of us have been forced out of that as a result of this pandemic. So I think that's the one thing, Ron, uh, that stands out is just the fact that we've needed to, to be open-minded about change and, and willing to make changes. You know, if something that we've done differently during the crisis has worked, I'm not sure why we would go back to doing things the way they were before. I know there's going to be some that are going to want to and some that are going to try, but, you know, I think again, both from the member standpoint and the employee perspective, if we've found new and different and better ways to do something, keep doing it. If anything, dedicate some time and some resources to try and do it even better. But uh, don't go back to the old way. Keep doing uh, what has worked during this pandemic. I couldn't agree more. I've had a couple of conversations with leadership teams at credit unions where, you know, the comments have been, I can't wait to get back to normal. And then I'll say something like, you know, what the heck does normal going to look like when we come back from this? And they're like, oh, you know, we'll start doing things the way we did. And that's scary because we can't do that. The businesses that are making a difference in people's lives that members and people in general will continue to be loyal to are changing on a regular basis. They are reacting to what's happening and being proactive to nip it in the bud. So I think our cue here is continue to be nimble or increase our nimbleness and keep an eye out for where we can improve. That continuous improvement is going to be really important at this stage of the game. Yeah, because the old way of doing things is not going to come back, maybe not ever. I mean, the new normal is here to stay, so to speak, whatever that new normal is. Yeah, and I I don't want to be uh, in a position of having to explain to a member why we're going back to the old normal. When the new normal's working, let's keep doing it. So, Teamwork is really going to be important in this environment. It already has. I think any credit union can tell you that. What are some ways to promote the highest level of teamwork in a credit union? 
Well, you know, one thing, uh, Ron, that was true before and will be true after, regardless of what that new normal looks like, is uh, sometimes we just have to break down the walls and get people working together. Jane, I I think you and I have actually heard this uh, when we're together with a client, but it's amazing how many times people say, wow, I never even knew that person. You know, I pass her in the hall all the time, but I never knew what she does. And, you know, this focus group is the first time we've ever been in a room together. So I think credit unions have to make a concentrated effort to get people working together, ideally get them focused on problem solving, you know, give them some of those process uh, challenges and issues that we were just talking about and say, okay, guys, let's figure out how to fix this. This isn't going to come from the leadership team. This is going to come from you. So create teams, get them working on it, you know, make the teams from across the entire organization, all different levels. Don't just do it with managers, get all employees working together on issues that are important to the organization. That was important. It will continue to be important. You know, another thing as it relates to teamwork, I read something about this uh, in an HR uh, manual the other day about, you know, we're talking so much about six-foot distancing, and we're re-engineering our offices so as to maintain six-foot distancing. Psychologically, though, we still need people to collaborate, you know. Physically, we're kind of moving them apart, but emotionally and psychologically, we still need them to work together. So we need to communicate that expectation that just because you're six foot apart now doesn't mean that you don't need to work together or you don't need to collaborate moving forward. I've heard some great stories over the past few months about teams working together like they've never worked together in the past. So to your point, people across delivery channels are actually coming together to solve a problem or work on a project together. And yeah, they're not face-to-face, they're on Zoom or whatever, but it's deepening the relationships throughout the organization that, well, they never would have had a chance to do that had we not had this pandemic. So the focus has to continue. I think this has to be a priority of keeping these teams going together. The voice of the member, the voice of the employee is huge when making decisions, if you've got the right filters in place. So gathering that and creating an avenue to gather the voice of your employees is huge. So I'm just going to say, keep that going, make it a priority. It will so help you in the long run moving forward. What specific steps can credit unions take to make sure they maintain good open lines of communication with employees and members? Ron, doesn't everything come back to communication? It sure does. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, again, when Paul and I are working with credit unions on culture assessments, we almost always hear when it goes to what could we do to improve? Almost number one at every credit union we've ever been in is better communication. So let's take our cue from that and keep up the communication we're doing and really maybe even emphasize it. But I think there's some foundational pieces to communication that make it effective or ineffective. Number one is trust. I have to believe that the communication that's coming my way, if it's face-to-face or it's email or however it is, is coming from a trusted source, that this is a person that I believe their motives are for my best interest. 
And again, we hear often that people are like, oh, I'm flooded with emails and I just, I read the ones from the people I like. Well, okay. Again, that goes back to this, the person I trust, or I at least like them, but everybody wants to have their emails read. I think we first have to break down some barriers that really stem from, from trust. And again, we have to be timely. The other thing we hear is, well, I learned about this change from the member because no one here told me about it. Well, that's horrible. And oh, back in my teller days, I had that same experience. So I know how awful that is. We have to be intentional about being in front of the grapevine, that we cannot let things simmer with trying to wordsmith them or being distracted by other things in our day. We have to be clear, concise, I think very thoughtful, and our communication needs to be engaging. It can't just be a one-way, here's what I want to tell you, so this makes it communication. Communication itself means it's two-way, it's information. So in a time where we're in communication overload, so I made reference to people saying, I get so many emails, I get that. If you want your email to be read, I think one of the key suggestions is only include one or two items. Don't try to go, okay, these are all the things I want this team to know. Pick a couple of them. Be very specific. Make it easy to understand. If that's putting it in bullet points rather than story dialogue, whatever works in that sense. Make it simple. Let me know what the outcome is that you expect. If When I read this, what am I expected to do with it? Don't just assume I put those dots together. So I think that's that's one of the main things. Build trust. Communicate often with short, concise messages. Jane, I think it's also, you know, you talked about trust. I think an extension of that is personalizing it, right? Making it one-on-one. Don't be generic in your communication right now. I mean, this is a a critical time for having one-on-one conversations. You know, I think about every time I see a sign that says, thank you to our essential workers, you know, I think it's great that we put those signs out, but I, I can't help but wonder how many times has that manager or the owner of that business said thank you personally to an individual and, and shown empathy to an individual for the sacrifices that he or she uh, has made. So I think that personalization, that one-on-one communication is more critical now than it's ever been. And that's not just with employees. I think that's with members as well. So proactively reaching out to members and, again, being empathetic with them and their situation and maybe offering them a solution before they ever knew they had a problem, you know, will go a long way in uh, building that trust that you talked about, but really solidifying that relationship with them. And regardless of the position, everyone wants to be appreciated as well. What do credit unions do to show their appreciation for employees, especially because sometimes, well, they're literally distanced from their employees in some cases, and in other cases, their employees are feeling a little anxious? I've just always been a firm believer that if you have clear performance expectations, that should be easy to spot somebody going above and beyond. Now, the challenge is I can spot them, but do I actually do something about it? I'm a natural appreciation shower. That's bad grammar, I'm sure, but I can spot it. Other people, it's a real challenge to spot it, and they don't know what to say. They feel like they have to make it more formal than it is. And I just say, hey, if you've seen somebody go above and beyond, thank them for that. 
And if that's a, a thank you note right now when we're not face-to-face with each other, or if you are face-to-face, just stop by, say thank you, but be very specific about what you're thanking them for. I mean, the, the objective is to show appreciation, but it's also to continue to have them do whatever it is they did that got appreciation. You know, I'm reading a book right now called The Five Languages of Appreciation in the Workplace, and it's written by Gary Chapman and Paul White. And the premise is that if people feel valued and appreciated at work, they will do a better job and they will be higher performers. That all sounds like a win-win to me. And the book goes on to talk about, you know, the misconception that money is the number one motivator and talks about it's truly showing appreciation and getting to know how people want to be appreciated. I mean, I work with a person that if you publicly acknowledge her, she just melts. It's it's torture. So she would not probably keep doing the right behaviors. Me, on the other hand, hey, I want the spotlight. I like to be out in the spotlight. I right now have a new vice president that I report to, and she asked this very specific question. So I thought that was really cool that she's already talking about how I want to get appreciation and how she can show it. I think back, and this is a long time, when I think back to being at the credit union and um, a person that worked in card services, he was a top performer and he had won the monthly top performer award and got a $50 gift card. He came to my office, he threw his $50 gift card on my desk and he said, you can keep this. And I was like, uh, why would I keep this? You, you deserve it. And it was so interesting to watch his body language and his physical recoil in almost being repulsed at having this $50 gift card. He says, you know, I just want to be appreciated. I would like my boss to talk to me and tell me what I did that was so good that I won 50 bucks. And it would be even better if she could do that at a team meeting so my teammates knew what I did. And yeah, that's real stuff. I went to his boss and I told the story and she was surprised. She's like, I thought everybody was motivated by money, but she changed her ways. And that was the key thing. And what happened from her now publicly acknowledging and talking about what was done as a top performer, it increased the performance of the others on the team because now they had an example. And Now, when she picked top performer of the month, it was pretty hard because she had a whole list of them, not just this one guy who kept, you know, blowing it out of the water. So I don't think it's hard to show appreciation, but I think you have to be pointed. You have to be intentional. You have to make it happen, make it part of your day. And especially right now, Jane, don't you agree? I mean, now with people being uh, fatigued and stressed as much as they are, You know, I'll go back to what I said earlier about uh, communication and making it personal. I think we have to do that as far as appreciation. Don't just assume that money is the primary motivator. Right now, there's a long list of things that is motivating to people based on what they're going through at home or what they're going through with caring for an adult parent or, or whatever the case may be. So, I think really understanding that, personalizing your appreciation to an employee will go a long way in really impressing them and and solidifying that that relationship that you Mm -hmm. have with the employee. We've covered a lot of ground here. One, the last thing I want to ask you, can you both offer a little bit of advice as we sign off here for credit unions? 
Ron, I, I would say, and we, we touched on it earlier, don't go back to the way things were doing you were doing before. I mean, really challenge yourself. It's easy to say that, but really challenge yourself. Look at what's impacting each and every aspect of our business and what can we do? What do we need to do to make sure that in the post world, whatever that looks like, that we position ourselves to thrive, not just to survive, you know, not just to go back to the way it was before, but to really thrive and to really take our game to the next level. I love the quote, in the midst of every crisis comes great opportunity. And I think you're going to be able to see very clearly in the future which credit unions are keyed in on the word crisis in that quote and which ones are keyed in on the word opportunity. Because the ones that are keyed in on, on opportunity are the ones that are finding new and different and better ways to be doing things. They're not worried about how they did it before or how they've always done it. That would be my parting shot. Jane, how about you? Use COVID as a catalyst. Again, to Paul's point, don't use it as a crisis. Use it as your springboard for, hey, change has happened. Let's keep that going in a positive way. And then lastly, celebrate more than you ever had before. Look for opportunities to celebrate. The future is unknown. Thanks for listening to the CUNA News Podcast. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play.